Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast. And this is your filthy casual place for all the filthy casual takes on the world of sports. I am Dylan Lasagna, and welcome to episode number 119 of this icy yet spicy podcast of, like I said, all those filthy casual takes on sports. And yeah, it's been a while uh, for all the audio listeners out there that prefer to listen it on, on their phones, in their pocket, listening to it on whichever platform they prefer to, um, just in their headsets. Uh, yeah, so I've been kind of neglecting uh, the podcast platforms uh, lately. Um, uh, lately, I mean, like for about like a couple of months. <laughs> so I've been kind of slacking for you all. I've been kind of been slacking. Um, uh, when I talk about it just a little, a little bit, I'll explain why. But anyway, we're here to talk about one thing, one thing only, because it's the beginning of a big month uh, for us sports fans, for NFL fans. And why is that? That's because the playoffs begin this weekend in just a short amount of time. Yes, playoffs. Playoffs? Yes, that annual tradition called playoffs. And that starts with the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend 2022. Yes, Super Wild Card. Ultra Wild Card. Look at this fucking wild card. So we're here to talk about all the matchups here in this podcast episode. Um, and yeah, talking about all the matchups as a, such a filthy casual fan uh, would do. And give you my preview, my picks for for all the matchups in, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to dive back in to the, to the podcasting game after a couple months exclusively on YouTube. So before we get into it, um, a little bit of housekeeping, uh, just a little bit of things to take care of first. Um, obviously, um, I already talked a little bit about it um, to open to open the first couple of seconds in. Yeah. For those of you listening on uh, wherever else, Fair Cold Lasagna is available on, whether it's Apple, uh, Spotify, Anchor. I, I do apologize. I've been neglecting uh, all of you that listen to it on there, on those preferred platforms that you get your podcasts on. Uh, I've been experimenting. I've been experimenting a little in my 2022 NFL season uh, coverage on trying to keep it exclusive to YouTube, like see how, how it worked. How it would grow there. Um, yeah, seeing how that would work. And to some degree, it kind of did. I we we grew a little bit more there. Um we we did like pretty pretty solid for such a small, small thing. Um and yeah, there were definitely gonna be uh trade-offs to that. Definitely gonna be trade-offs to, uh, to like putting one thing over the other. So, yeah, I do apologize. I really do um, for neglecting um, the the actual audio uh, side of of my audience. So, that being said, I do I do hope starting with this episode and as we go deeper and deeper into the playoffs and just anything that we do in very cold lasagna um, throughout the year, we get back into the podcasting game. And that means more content for all of my audio listeners out there. So look forward to that. And 
speaking of which, with content, it's going to be a busy uh, few months here on Veracold Designer. Um, just granted that I can keep up with it personally because outside of Veracold Designer, man, it, it my my life is going to be a little bit crazy. Um, you know, I got like two part-time jobs and <laughs> and my schedule is about to like ramp up intensively um in the next couple weeks it's just like oh man how am i gonna manage all that and like keep up with uh the podcast and just try to keep it as up to date as possible it's just like yeah that's a lot to uh keep up but i'm gonna do my best try to get this uh out for all of you uh in terms of what exactly is to come in the in in the few in the weeks to come well obviously we're gonna be Covering the playoffs, covering my San Francisco 49ers and their playoff run, however long it lasts. Um, again, as I said in my preview, um, that's on YouTube. A little bit more optimistic uh, about uh, their their playoff run than last year, <laughs> and I was about that. But nonetheless, yeah, it, we're definitely going to be covering the playoffs. Um, of course, we I know the Royal Rumble the for my pro wrestling fans out there. The WWE Royal Rumble 2023 is coming up uh, in about over two weeks. Although I wish the build could definitely be better, miles better. Um, but it is what it is at this point. Um, I don't think I'm going to be doing a review of it. I mean, not a review, a preview of it. I will be doing a review, but not a preview um, because it's like they're, they're, they're not really building anything towards the Royal Rumble that's really worth um, doing a, a preview, like a, a predictions for it, and I haven't really been um, keeping up, like, like you know, rampantly as much as I do with the NFL. So it's like it's not really worth it uh, to do a preview, like half-ass a preview for you. And yeah, but I will do a review. I will do a review. I will be watching the uh, the Royal Rumble, however I can, so I can do, do a do a review. And obviously, when the when the Super Bowl is all done, um, I will be doing uh, my usual season recaps. Uh, 2.0, baby! This is the second year we will be doing NFL season recap month, and I'm excited to do it again, covering all 32 teams. That includes my 49ers. I'm just not sure how I'm gonna approach uh, uh, doing a season recap for my 49ers uh, this year. Should I do it in the rotation, or should I do it as a separate episode as I did last year? Let me know how I should approach it um, if you want to give me some feedback on that. Um, but I am trying to put together um, those those season recap episodes a little bit more earlier this time. So by the time we I actually do those episodes, it's a little bit more ready to go. But anyway, that's a little bit of the layout for the next at least the next month or so. And... Man, it's going to be crazy. It's definitely going to be crazy uh, the next crazy couple of weeks. So, anyway, I, I just hope you all are ready for it. I'm ready for it. We're all ready for it. So, that being said, uh, to wrap up this uh, portion, make sure you stay tuned in to Vericold Lasagna, however you can, be it Twitter and Instagram, at Vericold Lasagna. Listen to the show um, here on YouTube. Uh, and Apple Podcasts, here on Apple Podcasts, here on Spotify, here on Anchor FM, wherever you get Very Cold Lasagna, um, and make sure you rate and review it, um, whichever uh, device or platform you're listening to it on. 
Um, give it a like, give it a dislike, leave a review, um, leave a comment, um, and leave some feedback, whether it's good feedback or uh, critical feedback. It helps the show in any way, shape, or form. So, that being said, let's get right into the show that we're about to go into today. And that is, of course, Super Wild Card Weekend 2022 for the NFL. And I got to say, um, I think it's definitely needed. It is definitely needed for the NFL because this season, as I talked about in the end of my NFL Week 18 recap that's on uh, on the Very Cold Lasagna channel, this entire 2022 regular season for the NFL is just like, uh, it's okay. I mean, it's definitely not up to to standard as the 2021, the 2020, even the 2019 and 2018 seasons were. This season was kind of like, uh, not not really great. the The offensive play was like sub subpar. Um, a lot of injuries, but yeah, like everyone on offense was just uh, uh. But I don't know. I don't know why it was. Maybe they weren't trying as hard, but at least the month of December was um, more intense. And hopefully uh, this month of January and going to mid-February will be great. We'll provide some crazy, crazy moments um, and have some uh, some playoff moments for us. So that brings us to, of course, Super Wild Card Weekend. The culmination of the 14 best teams, or at least should feel like the, t- the 14 best teams that were good enough in the regular season to make it to the dance. The dance in January as they march towards Arizona, where Super Bowl 57 will be. And that begins with the wild card round. So what is the wild card round for all the filthy casual fans that have come across uh, this podcast? What is the wild card round? Well, the NFL wild card round is the opening round of the NFL playoffs for all the teams that have failed to grab the number one seed in their conference. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seeds in each and every conference. Only the number one seed gets a first round bye, so they get about two weeks of rest um, after week 18. And while everyone else gets to play in this opening round uh, series, it's win or go home. Um, it's single elimination, so. You pretty much have to win the game or else you're done. So this opening round series is seeded two to seven in each conference. Um, and they'll be playing again uh, it's against each other. It's two conferences. So AFC and NFC, American Football Conference, National Football Conference. And the matchups goes as follows. Uh, two, which is the highest seed. That's not the number one seed versus the lowest seed, which is the number seven seed. And then you have three versus six and four versus five. So the the teams that were the winning division champions uh, get to host get to host the playoff game and then of course your wild cards are the road team. And thus brings us Super Wild Card weekend. And honestly, um, I I think the this this wild card round it, it's uh, it could go one or two ways. Um, and I say that because, well, two interesting notes here. Half of the playoff field uh, this year 
consists of teams that didn't even qualify for the postseason last year. And that's just in the first round alone. That's just in the first like playoff round alone. Like the Jaguar, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York Giants, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, who else did who else didn't make the dance last year? Uh, let me see if I got my list over here. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks. So the LA Chargers. My my goodness. Uh, the this whole playoff field, Miami Dolphins. For goodness' sakes, this whole playoff field, like half of it, it it's a lot of parody. It's a lot of uniqueness, but how much good uniqueness that leaves to be determined as we go through each of these playoff matchups. And I tell you like what exactly like to look forward to. And another interesting thing, most of these, uh, at least most of these matchups are rematches from the regular season. And a good, I think half of these uh, match re playoff rematches are division rematches. So, um, so teams that are within their divisions are playing each other for the third time. So, half of the matchups this weekend are the rematches. So, it's it's the deciding grudge match this uh, weekend for um, about half of these teams playing each other. So, with that being said. Let's get into the slate of games that is to come on Super Wild Card Weekend, shall we? As I've already talked about, what is Super Wild Card Weekend? What to look forward to? Let's break down and go into each and every matchup to expect on Super Wild Card Weekend as I give you the, the Super Filthy Casuals Guide to Playoff Wild Card Weekend. So we kick things off on Saturday. Yes, Saturday um, at, on the NFC side of things, starting with the number seven seed Seattle Seahawks taking on my number two seed San Francisco 49ers, who are the NFC West uh, di uh, division champions. And I'll get this out of the way now. I'm not pleased that they're playing on on Saturday, kicking off the the playoff uh, weekend slate because I'm not going to be able to watch it, which sucks. But anyway, that's besides the point. So this is a three-match of their division series. Uh, the Niners won both meetings um, in, in the regular season in Week 2 and in Week 15. Uh, the Week 15 meeting for the 49ers in Seattle gave them uh, the NFC West Division Championship. So they got to host this playoff game. And for both of these teams going in, they had it, both had an interesting season. Uh, regular season, mind you. Uh, for Seattle, everyone expected them to rebuild. Um, after they traded uh, their franchise quarterback, Russell Wilson, to the Denver Broncos. Well, so much for rebuilding. So much for rebuilding for a top five draft pick because, well, uh, their their backup that they resigned, Geno Smith, uh, managed to have a, a resurgent year uh, from, the, from the very start. And... He actually managed to get a, a recognition to the Pro Bowl. They, basically, the NFL's all-star game. And he had the Seattle Seahawks looking pretty solid on offense. And when you pair him up with two, two, two very good receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and a rookie running back that pretty much had a good year in Kenneth Walker III, you got a pretty solid 
balanced a, a, a passing attack um, and rushing a rookie running back. So for the Seattle Seahawks on offense, they're pretty. They had a pretty good a uh, pretty good year. Defensively, uh, they were able to rate uh, a good amount of turnovers thanks to the safety rotation of Quandre Diggs and Jonathan Abrams. Um, but uh, they did have their issues um, with with the run defense, um, allowing too many uh, big runs or just allowing too many first downs on on the run. And they allowed a couple of big passing plays. So their defense can be a little can be spotty at times. But in spite of all that, you know, they emerged from a two and three uh, start of the season. They won four straight midway through. And at one point, they actually even had a grasp on the NFC West. Um, but they went on to lose uh, their next five of six games, uh, fell out of the playoff picture entirely. But they managed to win their final two games uh, of the season. And, well, they initially, um, they initially um, needed some help. They needed some help from uh, the team that, that they had eliminated from the playoff picture in the Detroit Lions. And they got that help. The Lions beat the Green Bay Packers, who had a tiebreaker to get the last playoff spot. And the Lions did their job. They beat the Green Bay Packers in Week 18 and helped Seattle clinch the last wildcard playoff spot at 9-8. and eight. So here the Seahawks are. Everyone expected them to rebuild, get a top-five draft pick for a quarterback, a potential franchise quarterback, and... And you are in this wild card spot. Meanwhile, for my 49ers, man, what a season this was. A, a even more wilder season than last year was. And sure, they made it all the way to the NFC Championship game, but everything that happened leading up to that point was kind of, uh, it's kind of, uh. but this season though, this is actually kind of uh, uh, a little interesting, but frustrating at first, but then then became suddenly interesting. Because, you know, this season for us 49ers fans, it was supposed to be about the development um, of 2021 first round draft pick Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Had a, a big arm, a good rushing ability. Um, but I think head coach Kyle Shanahan took way too much advantage of that rushing ability. And he got hurt week two, fractured his ankle against those same Seahawks in their home op- in the Niners home opener. And then in came the guy that Trey Lance was supposed to replace along with the 49ers. Um, and the, the Niners were supposed to dispose of them in the offseason. And that, of course, is their form, former now became starter at the time, Jimmy Garoppolo. So they couldn't get rid of him because he went on to have shoulder surgery in the offseason. So they couldn't trade him or release him. And then he was back and he had to play some games and... In relief for Trey Lance, and I mean he did so he did so so, but man, those games he played um, early on against Denver and Atlanta, it it cost the Niners a little bit of of positioning that they could have definitely valued uh, right right here and now. So Jimmy G did okay for himself like down the stretch, uh, but obviously the offense got a eventually got a major boost. Uh, in itself with the addition of Pro Bowl running back Christian McCaffrey, John Lynch traded him uh, mid-season. And some people were thinking, like, 
like, damn, this offense is about to be lit. And other people were like, was this the first thing that we uh, needed um, uh, in terms of uh, needs, priorities? And, well, I guess the Niners quickly threw those concerns out the window. Christian McCaffrey immediately uh, fed in with the 49ers. And he was, this offense was like, like man, with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, along with on the opposite end, a strong defense that can create turnovers, can sack the quarterback, pressure him. This Niners defense was uh um, was legit. Um, and also offensively, as long as Jimmy G could minimize the mistakes, um, he can create um even despite how limited he can be, they can be unstoppable. Um, but then Jimmy G would go down in week 13, um, just a couple weeks removed from one of his best performances in Mexico City. Um, he would go down week 13 against Miami, and you're already down two quarterbacks um, with Trey Lance out with the fractured ankle, and now Jimmy G, G gets hurt with the broken foot. What is Kyle Shanahan to do? He has practically two starters now down and out. So Shanahan has no choice. He has no choice but to turn to none other than the last pick in the draft that he went out and got himself, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. Um, and he actually, somehow, surprisingly, he actually ended up stepping in relatively nicely. Um, and he got the win against Miami and going to this first start against the Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady, it seemed like it was going to be another fluke. Um, heading into his first start. But no, Purdy stepped up and surprised everybody, even outperformed the seven-time uh, Super Bowl champion in a blowout. Along with the defense, Brock Purdy performed damn well against Tom Brady, blew, blew out the Bucks, and then he continued to perform well um, the rest of the way. Sure, he had his moments where he made mistakes, Sure, there were thing, he, moments where he could have improved, but he looked like a quarterback that can um, make those improvements, make those adjustments. And the Niners, well, after being a wild card last year, they're the division champions. They improved their record um, from ten and seven to thirteen and four, and now they get to host two wild card games, uh, uh, two playoff games, mind you, <laughs> as the division champions and as the number two seed. So going into this matchup uh, against Seattle, I mean, you've, they've already played them twice. Uh, they swept the, the season series, the regular season series against them. But obviously um, we know the story uh, for Niners fans. They know the story, how this went last year when they swept the LA Rams. Um, and then surprisingly, they went to the NFC championship game um, against LA and as the say, so the saying goes, sometimes it's all it's hard sometimes to beat your opponent three times in in a playoff environment, especially when you've already beaten them twice in a row. Can the Niners do that a third time? And for quarterback Brock Purdy, this is going to be the first test of many. Um, when he's only started what it's his fifth or sixth game. And the Seahawks have gotten like a good amount of film on him now. They got a solid amount of film. They've played him once already. So they should they could have a good idea of 
what his strengths, what his weaknesses. So they're definitely prepared to play him. Um, Geno Smith um, can feel the heat already on the, the 49ers defense. Um, so it's going to be a battle. And obviously it's going to rain hard. So you can either expect a lot of uh, running or you can expect a lot of passing. We don't know what the game is going to be like. So Seattle may find some things uh, that they're going to try to do to stop the Niners from doing a third time um, to beat them. But I think the 49ers are, are just too simply uh, overpowering. Um, and they got the, the talent um, to do it. They have the manpower. They, they know what to do in terms of find, finding that balance with Purdy, finding that balance with McCaffrey. And sure, Kyle Shanahan can go a little bit too overboard with with using Christian McCaffrey, um, but as long as they can they can make Brock Purdy feel comfortable, then the Niners, um, with all that uh, firepower on offense and defense, it'll be too much for the Seahawks to overcome yet again. So the, the Niners are going to over uh, go over the Seahawks for a third straight time um, and send Pete Carroll and his crew packing. So, yeah, the Niners are going to go over the Seahawks. I mean, this is not me means because I'm a Niners fan. This is just, like, what's going to be the key for Seattle to beat the 49ers? Like, maybe the downfield attack. Um, the downfield threat of Tyler Lockett on the Norm, maybe. But other than that, it's like, what's there? What's there that um, the Niners can do? I mean, the Seahawks can do. Is something to point out. So the next matchup that we have on tap for uh, Wild Card Saturday is on the AFC side, the Nightcapper. Um, the number five seeded LA Chargers take on the number four All Elite. Oh, man, my voice is getting killed. The all elite four seeded Jacksonville Jaguars. Why do I say all elite Jaguars? Well, the Jaguars are owned by Nutter and Shahid Khan and by his son, Tony Khan, who owns all elite wrestling for all my wrestling fans out there. So that's why we call them the all elite Jaguars, even though they're not really all elite. Um, well, at least not yet uh, in my eyes. But anyway... Um, this gets the primetime treatment on NBC. Um, this is a rematch of their week three meeting, like way back in September. Um, the Jaguars easily won that in LA, surprisingly, 38 to 10. Um, man, this has been a season of weirdness for Los Angeles because, you know, they came into this uh, season with expectations of finally making the playoffs with Justin Herbert. Um, they fell just one kick short, literally. One kick short um, of making the, the playoffs. You know, all know that game between them and the Raiders um, to end the 2021 season. And they, to do to do so, they made some big investments uh, in the offseason on defense to improve, them, uh, improve themselves. The only thing is that defense um, that's supposedly upgraded hasn't felt that way. Um, especially when you had like their big signings like J.C. Jackson at corner. Um, not performing to expectations, he would get benched and then eventually suffer a season-ending injury uh, mid-season. Um, when also nose tackle Austin Johnson also suffered a season-ending injury um, midway through 
edge rusher Joey Bosa, their standout uh, edge rusher, missed most of the season with a uh, with a major groin injury, and that left their only standout players like their trade acquisition last offseason, Khalil Mack, uh, safety Derwin James, and their second year corner Asante Samuel Jr. as their top players. So for the Chargers, their defense was exactly like it was last year. The run defense, they can't do any um they can't do anything to stop the run. And then they give up a good amount of big plays uh, in the air. Meanwhile, I mean, I guess the same can be said on offense. Um receivers Mike Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were in and out of the lineup all year with injuries. Um the Chargers lost their top tackle uh, Rashawn Slater um to injury. And that pretty much left uh, Justin Herbert and running back Austin Eckler to heavily shoulder the load. Like, yeah, it's like being on the basketball team. You you have to rely on just those two to um, keep the scoring up. And, well, they, exa- they did exactly that. <laughs> he went to the well with Herbert and Eckler, like, a good amount of time. But nonetheless, uh, even though the Chargers were a very inconsistent team, um, in, because of the injuries and some odd decisions that Brandley Staley made um, in close situations, you know they made up. Uh, they made up for those losses by winning the next five or six games um, late in the season, um, while having other teams in the AFC fall out of the playoff picture as they punched their own postseason ticket um, late in the year. So they ended their season ten and seven. But I really got a question. Um, Brandon Staley's mentality because in week 18 he decided to play all of his starters um, and there's nothing wrong with playing your starters in in a week 18 game like for uh for a team that's already clinched their playoff spot the problem is though they already clinched their playoff spot the team and, and they were fighting for seeding and the, they were fighting for seeding the team that was high above them had lost in the Baltimore Ravens, so they were essentially locked in that seeding. It was understandable that Brandon Staley like would have played his starters for like a half or a quarter, but he played them for three full quarters. That was stupid. That is a that was a ridiculous decision. And what happened? Their their second best receiver, Mike Williams. Gets hurt. He has a back injury. Um, and as I'm making this, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to go. And then Joey Boza um, also had to leave the game with uh, an issue. It's like, why were they even in there to begin with? It's like, I get it. Like I said, it would have been fine if they were in there for like a quarter. Not for the whole game. <laughs> not for the whole game against the Denver Broncos. Who had nothing to play for either because they suck. But it's like, damn, what what was Brandon Staley thinking going into a playoff game on the road? So the Chargers better hope that can find a way to pull off an upset because this is not a good way. Um, uh, despite their season, how it went, getting that playoff berth, they better hope that everybody's healthy for this game. Uh, meanwhile, for the, the Jaguars. The all elite Jaguars. What a year. Um, what a, a year it has been for them. Because, well, 
it's been a crazy year after uh, the terrible 3 and 14 2021 season with Urban Meyer. Um, yeah, from the, the college the, the college ranks. They bring in Urban Meyer for the 2021 season. They hire him, and that is that went as just as well as you expected. And then the fans dressed up as clowns on the last regular season game. And sure, they get a win, but it, it just it was just embarrassing to see how all elite those fans were. So, what did the Jaguars do in the offseason? Well, they go out and get a actual winning head coach um, and a former Super Bowl winning head coach in Doug Peterson to help and develop Trevor Lawrence. And alongside getting Doug Peterson, they went on a spending spree in free agency. And you, we can debate um, how how solid or how good or how bad uh, those acquisitions ended up being. And they actually had themselves a solid uh, draft in preparation for year two of said rebuild. So Trevor Lawrence definitely showed uh, some big improvements in in year two and under the head coach, Stud Peterson. It's just that the supporting cast around him just still had yet to do so. Um, Jacksonville struggled after week three. They lost the next six of seven games. Uh, most of them were close ones, by the way. They just couldn't figure out how to close out games. And, well, for, for Jacksonville, they just seemed primed for another top 10, 15 draft pick going into their bye week um, midseason. But that supporting cast um, finally managed to figure it out, round into more consistency, like safety, Rayshon Jenkins, their number one overall pick, uh, Trayvon Walker, the rookie, um, and on offense, running back Travis Etienne what became a, a solid, reliable running back. Um, and Frayden signees Evan Ingram and Zay Jones uh, helped Trevor Lawrence out in the, the passing game. So they pretty much reverse Unoed uh, the rest of the season by winning the next six to seven. And that included a big upset win over the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, they actually um, beat Dallas and they got a clutch win that seemed improbable. I mean, it was a little bit of, of luck to beat the Titans in week 18 to clinch the AFC South. Um, yeah, a division title win that seemed very unlikely um, about a month prior. So they end on a high note. They go nine and eight and they get to host a playoff game. Yeah. From wearing clown suits to being all elite, although a little bit slightly at nine and eight. What a what a turnaround. What, like a what a what a solid turnaround for for Jacksonville. You got to give them credit there. Um, for showing some strides um, after just a year, from worst to first in their di- division. Although the, the AFC South was was pretty crappy this year, so going to this matchup, obviously it's a pretty good quarterback matchup between Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. They're both of their first playoff games, and yeah, obviously the inexperience will show. Like, how are they going to handle uh, handling that kind of pressure? Um, I'd say Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, he has he had some experience with those kind of situations when he's played in the national championship game back in college. But I mean, obviously, college is much different than than the NFL. It's not it's, the national championship is nothing like a playoff game or a Super Bowl. But I mean, 
you know, he has that kind of experience um, in the, like those high pressure uh, volume games. But that game may not come down to him or Justin Herbert. It actually may come down to Jacksonville's young um, yet physical defense. And that's why I kind of lean towards Jacksonville pulling off an upset. Some people are favoring the, the Chargers, but I actually think Jacksonville can pull off this win over um, the LA Chargers. Sure. The Chargers do have uh, healthy, uh, reliable defenders, but I think Jacksonville's young, very physical, aggressive defense can find a way to make turnovers happen on Austin Eckler, Mike, Mike Williams, if he plays, Keenan Allen. Um, and if they can get to Justin Herbert um, and pressure him um, into turnovers or even strip sack him, they can be the Jaguars can be well on their way. Um, to uh, the divisional playoffs against the Chiefs. So if they somehow find a way to pull this off, crazy. It'll be crazy for Jacksonville. Um, then we get to the Sunday slate of games um, for the uh, for the wild card weekend. Uh, and this is where things kind of like derail a bit <laughs> in terms of quality. Starting with the ASC side of things, uh, the number seven seeded Miami Dolphins take on the number two seeded Buffalo Bills. So an AFC East rivalry, um, another division matchup um, on Super Wildcard Weekend. So it's a three match of their divisional series. Um, so these two teams actually split the season series. Both uh, both home teams won each matchup. So Miami won at home in week three in what was considered an upset at the time, while the Buffalo Bills won their, their meeting, uh, their second meeting, at home in week 15 and when they clinched the playoff berth. So yeah, a lot of moving parts in this third and final matchup of, of the season for both of these teams. And what a season this has been for Miami um, because, you know, they entered the season uh, with the high expectation of competing with the bills in the AFC East. And why is that? You know, that's because they made, a lot of upgrades on offense um, and they are coming in with a new head coach in uh, Mike McDaniel. Some people are familiar with you're not a Niners fan. Mike McDaniel was Kyle Shanahan's offense, offense coordinator last year in, in 2021. And now all of a sudden he gets a head coaching job and the dolphins get all these pieces um, on offense. Like, Offense to tackle Teron Armstead, and then they go get the big trade for then Chiefs receiver in the offseason, Tyreek Hill, to go alongside Jalen Waddle and Mike Kosicki. And you, along, you pair him along with uh, quarterback Tua Tagovailoa and help him with his development. It could have made for a scary Dolphins team. So they showed strides at that early. They started 3 0 blowing out the Patriots, and then they overcame a large deficit against the Ravens, and then they outlasted the Bills in a potential playoff preview. Kind of slurring my words here, but you get the point. But it was also during that uh, game against the Bills early in the season where things kind of like took a turn, kind of like overshadowed uh, the Dolphins' season um, eventually because that's when... Nah, it was highly controversial. Tua Tagovailoa, 
he suffered his first of what was ended up being three highly publicized concussions in the first half. And that's where the whole thing started to like get crazy with the concussion protocol. He got, he was like, he got up after he got concussed and then he, he started wobbling. Um, and then he was cleared to play by team doctors later in the game. But then the Dolphins had to go play a Thursday game against the Bengals in Cincinnati. And then he got, uh, hit in the back got sacked and he hit his head um hard again and then he was clutching his hand um he got concussed again which had serious implications for Tua and the Dolphins he got seriously concussed he missed a couple of games and that brought serious questions about the concussion protocol and serious questions about um why why Tua was even playing like what are the Dolphins doing so the Dolphins would lose their next two games without Tua, um, but when they when he got back, when he fi- when he got cleared, um, the properly, they would go on to win their next five and even get a lead in the AFC East from the Bills. But then their season went south, uh, really south, um, when they met the 49ers um, in in Week 13. Tua suffered three bad turnovers um, against a strong 49ers defense, and. Their own defense couldn't even stop uh, then reliever Brock Purdy. Um, and that loss would be the catalyst of five straight losses, including two division losses to the Bills and the Patriots. And they fell completely out of the playoff picture. So in between that, Tua would get concussed for the third time um, and potentially for the season um, as a loss to the Packers um, on Christmas Day um, saw... Tua somehow finished the game, but Tua would be stuck in the concussion protocol. Um, and yikes, it, it was just a whole mess. So the Dolphins would manage to get the last playoff spot in the AFC um, as they beat the Jets and the Bills gave them some help as they beat the Patriots. So overall, though, it, it was a promising season for Miami, but... It's going to end pretty badly, and I'll explain why in a bit. Because in their in in their way of a potential upset, if they even get to that point, is the Buffalo Bills because they enter this uh, playoff matchup looking to not only finally overcome the heartbreak suffered in Kansas City last playoffs, they're trying to get past both Kansas City, Cincinnati, whoever it may be. They're trying to reach and win the long-coveted Super Bowl that has eluded them in their franchise's history. So to address the glaring need for the heartbreak that was in Kansas City last year, they signed free agent linebacker Von Miller. And, you know, for Von Miller, uh, Von Miller, he was coming off a Super Bowl win with the Rams, and they also addressed some help on the offensive line. So Von Miller's presence was exactly felt right out of the gate. It greatly jolted the pass rush and the secondary that was still missing uh, corner Tredavious White and lost safety Micah Hyde to a week two neck injury. But the pass rush was definitely um, masking some of that um, losses in the secondary. But unfortunately, Von Miller was lost for the year in week 12 when he tore his ACL, uh, which reverted the pass rush back to what, where it was um, before he got there. Offensively, it largely remained the same um, with some additions via the draft. 
Um, Josh Allen had another good year, um, but he he had issues with turning the ball over in the red zone, um, especially in the second half of the season, which all attributed to the Bills' um, three losses to the, uh, this season to the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Vikings. So outside of that, though, um, they, would vent, they would find some balance in the running game to take some pressure off of Josh Allen, even though he still likes to, um, to run it. Devin Singletary and rookie running back James Cook, pretty solid rushing attack. So the Bills would win the remainder of the games and were in position to get the AFC's top seed and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But unfortunately, uh, there was a scary event that happened in their pivotal Week 17 matchup in Cincinnati against the Bengals. Um, safety DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest um, during that game, the game was suspended and then eventually canceled altogether. Um, it's just, uh, it's just a great sign though that Demar Hamlin's healthy, alive the uh, all, after all that, and he's back back home in Buffalo, um, continuing his recovery. So, Godspeed for him. I, it's just a real good blessing that he's alive, and the Bills are surely gonna play for him. Um, they're sure, surely going to be motivated to make this playoff run for him. Um, and yeah, their definitely their season definitely was a successful one. They got their third straight AFC East title. Um, they surely would have liked home field advantage, but the most important thing now for for the Buffalo Bills is to to play for their teammate and of course win the Super Bowl. So, obviously, going into this three match between uh, the Bills and the Dolphins is and was the health of Tua Tagovailoa. Unfortunately for Buffalo, uh, not for the Buffalo Bills, but for the Miami Dolphins, yeah, Tua Tagovailoa is not going to play. He's, he did not uh, clear concussion protocol, and Teddy Bridgewater, their backup, is still injured with a broken pinky. So, they're once again going to have to call on their third string quarterback, Skylar Thompson, uh, and he's going to start that game in Buffalo. You can only pray what is going to happen um, <laughs> against the Bills. So, yeah, that's not gonna, that's going to be a ass matchup. And surprise, it's not a Nickelodeon. Is I guess because Nickelodeon already got the Christmas Day game. I guess they didn't want to suffer even more. I guess the kid they didn't want the kids to suffer anymore. So. The key for Buffalo to win this, uh, what's probably going to be an easy game for them, is reduce the red zone turnovers. Just enough, like cut off um, the the needless self-inflicted red zone turnovers in the playoffs. So the Bills should easily take care of business unless they really royally screw this up. The Bills are easily going to take care of the Miami Dolphins w without Tua. Um, or without Teddy Bridgewater, I don't see Skylar Thompson standing a chance um, against uh, that strong Bills defense, even without Vaughn Miller. So moving on to the next NFC matchup. In the midday portion, we have the number six-seeded New York Giants against the three-seeded Minnesota Vikings. So this is a rematch of their Week 16 Christmas Eve matchup, um, which the Vikings won on a last-second field goal, which has pretty much been their theme um, all season long for them. But 
first, let's talk about the Giants because many expected New York to enter 2022 in the first year of their rebuild um, because, you know, they had a new head coach in Brian Dabble, who was a former offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. And quarterback Daniel Jones and running back Saquon Barkley were both uh, playing in the last year of their contract. So after this season, they're going to be free agents. So, yeah, it was kind of a prove-it year for both of them um, to see were they going to be the guys? Um, should the Giants re-sign them? Or if they didn't perform well, well, you're out of here, man. You are out of here. Surprisingly, though, the Giants went 6-1 and one to start the year. Um, that included upsets over the Green Bay Packers in London and then the Baltimore Ravens um, near the midway point of the season. Um, Saquon Barkley managed to stay healthy all year, and he was one of the league's most efficient runners. And then Daniel Jones, also pretty solid. Um, and rather than being a quarterback that was like a bootleg passer, he was a more traditional pocket passer. And he often used his legs more to uh, to cr- to create um, to create things um, like first downs or uh, like just make things happen in general. And yeah, he has his turnover issues when the pocket collapses. Um, it's just not as prevalent as it was in the years prior. Um, now, does that mean that the Giants should like give him a big fat contract? No, um, but he definitely uh, was solid um, for the Giants this year. So um, the Giants did manage to lose the next three of five. They lost a key tiebreaker to the Seahawks, um, and that's because well, they became too Saquon uh, centric. Um, they did get a key win over the Washington Commanders in Week 15, um, and. The reason for that was, well, the pass rush grew even stronger with the emergence of their top rookie draft pick, Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, if you watch that game against the Commanders in Week 15, and yeah, the Commanders aren't great, but he had a breakout performance against them um, to increase their playoff hopes and clinch it by Week 17 against Jeff Saturday's Indianapolis Colts in a blowout. So here they are in a prime position against the Minnesota Vikings, who, like I said earlier, um, their theme of the whole year was like cutting it close. So the Vikings, you know, they entered the season with a new head coach in Kevin O'Connell, who was fresh off helping the Rams um, win a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. And he was looking to unleash the potential of Kirk Cousins and the offense and unseat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the NFC North. And in most ways, he did such that, you know, Kirk Cousins played with a lot more regression, had a career year alongside receiver Justin Jefferson, who won the receiving title. Um, Dalvin Cook also had himself a good year. Um, a lot, um, mid-season acquisition, TJ Hawkinson and Adam Thielen were also um, top targets for um, Kirk Cousins. Well, obviously the main guy was Justin Jefferson. But the reason was why the offense had to play with such aggression and was pretty pretty dang efficient was well because their weakness uh, all year long was their defense. Their defense really was bad. Their defense was just awful. Um, if you go through like just the simple highlights of all the Vikings games this year and why they won in the way they did is because is their defense. Like, despite adding a linebacker into Zadarius Smith, and 
despite having like all their like most of their players healthy throughout the year, like cornerback Patrick Peterson, they allowed a lot of big chunk plays and large leads to their opponents. Like just look at the game against the Indianapolis Colts in week 15. They were down 33 to nothing. And then, well, obviously because the Colts suck, it's like, why even allow a big lead to happen like that in the first place? So, because of the defense and the slow starts on offense, a lot of their wins this year consisted of many close calls and comeback victories. And, like I said, the whole theme of this year for Minnesota was cutting it close. If they ain't cutting it close, they're getting their asses whooped. So, either way, they clinched the NFC North um, in Week 15, but... Even though they went 13-4, and four, got the number three seed, their four losses were alarming blowouts um, that exposed that plate of flaw on defense. So, yeah, going to this game against the Giants, this rematch, um, obviously the thing for, for New York is, well, if Saquon Barkley can't do anything, it's going to be on Daniel Jones if he can keep it hot, if he can keep it clean um, in the pocket. Um, with this arm can he do something to help the Giants uh, cause an upset uh, in his first playoff game meanwhile for the Vikings like that defense um, needs to generate stops needs to do something when it matters most they can't allow anything big to happen by that Giants offense now here's the thing uh, when when it comes to predicting this matchup it can go one or two ways um it's either the Vikings are going to somehow come back in this game and win it. But I don't think that's going to happen because the Giants were very close to being the Vikings the first time around in week 16. I think they just gave them too much time uh, to do so. But I do think the Giants this time around have the chance to do it. Uh, that's because the Packers, after they beat the piss out of uh, Minnesota in week six and week 17 it exposed a potential formula for for the Giants you generate a ton of pressure on Kirk Cousins and the the Vikings offensive line it is bad it's not good and then the Giants have a good defensive line um, with Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence and then the Giants simply have to limit Justin Jefferson limit Adam Thielen in the receiving game uh, find a way to Locked down on TJ Hawkinson as well. And it's like, where does Kirk Cousins have to um, go to? And then as long as Dan Jones um, can keep the turnovers to an absolute zero and he can go turn to the deep ball, go to the check downs on the side, then New York, even though they're not a playoff quality team right now, but they can actually upset the Minnesota Vikings. Um, because it's it's hard to trust uh, the Vikings right now with such a flawed defense and an offense that, honestly, if you limit Justin Jefferson and limit Dalvin Cook, it's just like, okay, just get to Kirk Cousins and then, yeah, you're done. So I'm actually going to roll with the Giants in the one and potentially only upset of Super Wildcard Weekend. So then next up, we have the a the last AFC matchup of Super Wildcard Weekend, and that is the number six seed Baltimore Ravens against the three seed Cincinnati Bengals. And yeah, this is where um, the crappiness um, continues. Um, 
while this is an immediate three match between the division rivals because well they're literally playing each other um the week the week after in week 18 um the home team won each meeting baltimore won in week five cincinnati recently won in week 18 to set up this matchup uh this matchup is just like what could have been um because well for the ravens you know they were looking to bounce back uh, from a disappointing 8 and 9 2021 campaign and you know lamar jackson was coming back um healthy um and he 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 started that way you know he looked pretty good but the ravens were just getting off to 50 50 uh, uh starts because well when you look back at their their season they 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 got off to hard starts um but the reason why they lost their games is like their hot starts turned into blown leads they were choking a lot um like they win one game then they would lose one game and the reason why they lost that game they blew too many leads um that was mainly because of conservative play calling um and turnovers by lamar jackson lane games he's just like like you can't do that you can't do that like you're not gonna win a playoff game like that so the ravens would finally cut down on on like the conservative play calling choking a lot of leads late um by winning four straight games taking the lead on the asc north because cincinnati was still trying to figure out like how to overcome super bowl hangover um uh, but issues clearly arose on offense they couldn't move the ball even with lamar jackson still in the lineup and that was because well they didn't have a running back and they also didn't have a true receiving option other than their tight end mark andrews and when mark andrews was being heavily covered and doubled they didn't have anybody to turn to rashad bateman was their second year receivers less like okay i mean he wasn't really much of a factor um uh, in that ma that matter of the inability to move the ball on offense was made even worse when bateman suffered a season ending foot injury uh mid-season so it's like where's the where's the downfield let alone the check down threat that can get the yards after catch for baltimore it's like they don't even have a receiver Devin duvernay um can't can't get the can't do anything can't move the ball and neither can their late season signing deshaun jackson sorry so for the ravens things got even worse for them because Lamar Jackson went down with the PCL injury in week 13 and backup Tyler Huntley, uh, unlike last year where he actually managed to, you know, keep the Ravens in close situations and actually managed to move the offense. He actually can't. He actually be able to spark the offense. The only thing that has been keeping Baltimore in, in the season is their defense. Um, that's because of the acquisition of linebacker Roquan Smith he signed this extension, by the way. But Baltimore, despite improving on their record, 10 and 7, but they just have a lot of big gaping holes. Um, and it looks like they're going to have to turn to back up Tyler Huntley again because Lamar Jackson's PCL injury, it's like, it's not looking good. Meanwhile, for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, they obviously entered the season as the defending AFC champions. Looking to return to the Super Bowl after coming up just short against the LA Rams in Super Bowl 56. And why was that? Well, the offensive line. So they addressed that in the offseason 
um, by upgrading at the offensive line and hoping with that the new protection of their quarterback, Joe Burrow, they would reach that goal of returning to the Super Bowl. But the first five games seemed more indicative of that team becoming the latest victim of what is called the Super Bowl loser's curse. And what is the Super Bowl loser's curse? Well, a team that loses the Super Bowl um, doesn't perform as well or like terribly um, when after the, the the next season. So Joe Burrow started off slow. Uh, Jamar Chase was a non-factor in the receiving game. And the newly revamped offensive line had yet to gel. But after a Halloween embarrassment to the Cleveland Browns, yes, the skid marks in Cleveland, um, they would win the rest of the way with Joe Burrow and the offense rounding back up into form. Um, they would win uh, all their games. But by week 17, um, they were in a position to potentially overtake the number two seed in a high-profile matchup with the Bills. But like I said, that game and its unfortunate events led to a no contest. Um, so the Bengals were given the a- the AFC North via win percentage, um, but they had to defend <laughs> their chances of hosting a playoff game because of the rule changes uh, to the AFC playoff format. So, yeah, they faced the threat of losing their guaranteed home playoff game via a coin flip if they had lost to the Ravens in week 18, but they rendered that uh, meaningless. So going to this game against uh, between Cincinnati and the Ravens, it looks like it's going to be an, an easy win for Cincinnati as long as their offense can bounce back from, as long as they can bounce back from like what was a sluggish week against Ravens backups. Like they didn't do that great um, against a a Ravens defense that was chugging out backups, to be honest with you. And speaking of the Ravens, it's like, I don't even know if Tyler Huntley at this point, um, even though he's healthy enough to start, it's like, even with Mark Andrews and JK Dobbins, like, can they move the needle um, on offense? Like at this point, it's like I'm. I'm. I. I don't think they can. I really don't think they can. So Lamar Jackson is not expected to play with a PCL injury, and it's just kind of a disappointing end to uh, the Ravens' season. It's like it really is going to be, barring a miraculous upset. So it doesn't matter who the Ravens trot out at quarterback. Like they just don't have the supporting cast to help out Mark Andrews or their running back J.K. Dobbins and keep up with the Bengals. Um, so head coach Zach Taylor is going to make those adjustments, um, that caused the Bengals to struggle a week ago and Joe Burrow and the offense are going to be better prepared to run away with the first round victory, uh, with these. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati easily. Then we have the Monday night wildcard game to close out super wildcard weekend. And that is in the NFC, the number five seeded Dallas Cowboys taking on the four seeded, the Tampa Bay Bucks, a rematch of the very first week of the season on Sunday night um, that the Bucks won in Dallas easily. So this is a interesting matchup. All the like the mainstream media people are going to salivate over this because, oh, Dallas, a big market. And, well, Tampa Bay, they have Tom Brady. Uh, but this, I don't know, man. This matchup is just going to be like, Either it's going to be a good matchup 
um, that's going to be close or it's just going to be a close matchup that's just meh, meh. <laughs> so when you look at the Dallas Cowboys going into this matchup, you have to look at like how like how their season went, like like in terms of like like for the most part, it was pretty successful. You know, they were looking to make a deeper playoff run after despite winning the NFC East in 2021. They had a very disappointing uh, first round exit because they got handled by the 49ers um, in that wild card game. And and it led to the disappointing uh, first round exit. And then this was, they're trying to make that deeper playoff run this season despite uh, losing some of their key players in the offseason, especially on the offensive line. But unfortunately, to start the season, the Cowboys lost their season over to the said Bucks. And they also lost Dak Prescott, their quarterback, for six games to a thumb injury. So it seemed like um, it's going to be like 2020 all over again, um, except without the long-term injury to Dak. Um, it seemed like it was going to be um, they were going to have a hard time um, trying to keep up in the division uh, with Philadelphia, with New York, and Washington um, for a playoff spot. But it didn't turn out that way. Um, backup Cooper Rush um, felt the rush. And so did the team. He did fine in this dead. And along with the play of running back Tony Pollard and receiver CeeDee Lamb, along with the supporting cast um, and who came along, the defense with Trayvon Diggs, the corner, uh, defensive player, uh, rookie of the year last year, Michael Parsons, and a pass rush led by Demarcus Lawrence. Dallas actually went 4-1 and one in Dak Prescott's absence um, while continually... Uh, keeping pace with the then undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. And yeah, it, it was just a interesting time for Dallas. So the Cowboys went on to win their next six of eight games, going to the rematch with the Eagles um, on Christmas Eve. Um, the Cowboys ma- barely managed to escape and give themselves a chance to steal the division late uh, with two games left to go. But we all know how it went. We all know how it goes. With the Dallas Cowboys, somehow, some way, they'll find a way to screw it up. That's been the theme for for Dallas. They find a way to screw it up, and that's exactly what happened when they went to the nation's capital to go to Washington and try to steal the division from the Philadelphia Eagles. Granted that they lose too, but the Cowboys just failed to net anything positive. They were blown out. Dak Prescott. Who had issues with turnovers, he turned it over again um, in that game against Washington, including a pick six. So they ended the season 12 and 5. They got themselves back to back playoff berths, but that week 18 loss to Washington was absolutely something they did not want going into their first round matchup against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks, who themselves had a really disappointing season a really disappointing season leading up to this uh you know they had that offseason full of craziness with tom brady retiring then unretiring and then todd bowles replacing bruce arians as the head coach because bruce arians retired um the bucks came into this season seeking to get brady one last title um before brady potentially retired for good but then the wheels really fell off. The wheels, the wheels, like just absolutely fell off for the Bucks. Um, 
the effects in like key injuries to players who were like in and out of the lineup each each week and the offseason departures, um, as well as the uncharacteristic downturn in the on the offense, it would just really show. Um, Todd Tom Brady had probably one of his worst seasons, um, and if not the worst ever in his in twenty plus year career, because he was he was having these weirdly placed balls and turnovers, but it did, also didn't help the fact that. Uh, his receivers like Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or Scotty Miller were not in sync with them um, at times, and that didn't help matters either. Um, and the offensive line, who had lost key pieces like Ali Marpet and Alex Kappa in the offseason, and then center Ryan Jensen was injured in training camp. That meant a lot of different combos and lesser protection for Tom Brady. Um, the Bucks did enter their bye week at 5-5, five and five, um, but... Whenever the Bucks seemed like they were gonna have one those turnarounds, late season turnarounds with Brady, um, it just didn't look that way. The problems all around um, continued to persist. Whether it is like the issues on offense or the issues on defense, like giving up too many points or like too many big plays, it's just like so many problems for the Bucks. And such is the case when they barely came back to beat New Orleans, for example. And then the next week, they get to get their asses whooped by Brock Purdy and the 49ers and then choke the next week to Joe Burrow and the Bengals after having such a large lead at halftime. So even at 7-8, and eight, they went to a New Year's Day home matchup with the Carolina Panthers in, in an essential NFC South title matchup, which yeah showcased just how successful Brady and the Bucks offense could have been if they found a solution to their issues much earlier in the season. As they clinched the NFC South, which was really bad, like really terrible this year. They clinched the NFC South in Week 17, and they ended their season 8-9. Why 8-9? Because, well, they lost to the Falcons in a pretty useless game. So, the first half, though, did at least show a little promise for Bucks fans, but it's just like, this whole season for Tampa has been really disappointing. Um, especially for Brady fans out there. So, going to this game, this Monday night game, to close out Super Wild Card Weekend, if you're, you're a Cowboys fan, you you got to hope that Dak Prescott cuts down on the turnovers. Like, he's he's been throwing, like, these really weird turnovers. Honestly, the one against Washington really stands out. Like, Dak absolutely has to cut down on the turnovers to give uh, the Cowboys a chance. Um, in this game against Tom Brady and the Bucks, because even though like they're not playing a Washington defense, the Bucks defense can be um, just as crazy to generate turnovers, generate pressure um, uh, against against Dallas. I mean, just look at the Week One game against them. Meanwhile, for the Bucks, can Brady and the uh, and his team flip a switch, pull off an upset? And yes, why do I say upset? Because well, their offense can be very inconsistent at times. They can flip a switch like literally just at the last moment but against a strong Cowboys defense that can turn it on just as well as they can um, on offense yeah they gotta find a way to keep it on at all four quarter on all four corner quarters what are my words <laughs> but either way they gotta find a way to, to keep that switch on flip it for all four quarters um, to win that game against Dallas and move on to the divisional playoffs. So, honestly, it's hard to trust either team 
um, at this stage of the game uh, because Dallas is a it has been a good team all year, but their defense has given up too many points in pretty much all of December. They've had a pretty bad December. Dak Prescott turned the ball over way too often, and he's just not been good with the football. Meanwhile, Tom Brady, yes, he can't be counted out um, in a playoff environment. He's been like good. <laughs> he's always been good in the clutch. But it remains to be seen with this two-game stretch that this entire offense has had. Well, one-and-a-half-game stretch this offense has had. Can they maintain that momentum it had? Can they be like a flash of solid momentum? Like anything. So I guess what I'm saying is since we have to pick one, <laughs> since we have to pick a team here, I guess you have to go with the Bucks. You can at least trust Brady um, to bring it home um, against a Cowboys team that always finds a way to let people down. So, yeah, that is super wild card weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Um, a lot of rematches, and pretty much aside from one game, one or two games, well, I guess it depends on you if you're a fan of a certain team. I guess from aside from one or two games, this super wild card weekend slate is honestly looking kind of a downer. <laughs> I'm like, just really looking at it. It's kind of looking kind of a downer, to be honest with you. So maybe that, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully we do get some much more closer matchups because as I said, with the Seahawks and 49ers matchups, especially like half of them are division rematches, like three matches, it's harder to beat your opponent three times, especially since the Niners did beat the Seahawks three times, uh, two times in a row, it's harder to beat them three times in a row. So, who knows? Who knows how this can go um, this weekend? The playoffs are definitely a different animal. It's pretty much a new season for everyone involved. So, it can go multiple ways. It can go like an absolute multi different a number of ways um, this season. But, Either way, it's for all of us to enjoy. It's for all of us to enjoy or maybe even be disappointed by. But I'm just I'm just ready. I'm just ready for the playoffs. I'm just ready for how this is going to unfold. I, I'm ready for it. I'm all in for the playoffs. But I would like to know your thoughts. I would like to know your thoughts on all the playoff matchups this weekend. However you like to... Share your thoughts on them. Whether you're, it's on YouTube, you're watching it, leave a comment. Whether it's on social media, uh, send me a message about it or leave a comment on if I leave a put a post on it. I'd like to know your thoughts on the playoff matchups this weekend and what like your predictions for it. Let me know in the comments below. But anyway, this is Dylan Lasagna of Very Cold Lasagna, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 119 of Very Cold Lasagna and the Filthy Casuals Guide and preview to NFL Super Wild Card Weekend 2022. This is Dylan Lasagna signing out, and keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of sports, and soon, hopefully, after uh, this weekend, we'll be back um, with another episode to recap the craziness hopefully or maybe not so craziness uh with uh super wild card weekend but until then until next time peace out